This episode of Pocketful of Durhams is sponsored by Standard Chartered. A new year is always a good way to make a fresh start, whether it's losing weight, getting fit, finding a job. But one area of our lives that always needs attention at the start of the year, unfortunately, is our finances. Um, However, resolutions can be notoriously difficult to keep, particularly money ones, which is why we're going to consider the money goals you can make that not only last the month of January, but also the whole year. I am Alice Hayne, the personal finance editor of The National, and today I'm joined by Gillian Duncan, a national reporter from the news team. So Gillian, have you made any resolutions for 2020? I have, Alice. Financial resolutions. I have, yeah. Uh, We are going to save, save, save big time. We paid off debt last year and we have one a month left with our salaries at the end of January. So it's perfect. <laughs> uh, this this year will be the year of saving for, for my husband and I. And what's the driver behind that? What's motivated Just uh, like a long term, you know, our retirement, our kids' education. Um, we, we've just been saving short term, you know, for our school fees, for our rent. Um, but now we have to really look much more into the long term. And why is that? Because we don't want to leave here with nothing. I don't want to be, you know, having been here for, you know, eight years and, and then leave with nothing. So with every month we have left, then we're just going to save, save, save. And have you set up a plan to make that happen? We have. But uh, but what I'm looking for really is where we start. So like, do I start with our emergency funds first or do we, what should we do first? Okay, so... I mean, this is quite key, you know, particularly at the start of New Year. Often people make kind of big pledges. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have a year of saving for you. So it's not just about making a resolution thinking this is the year and then by February going on a big holiday. It's about how you make those resolutions last the whole year. And then once that happens, then it becomes a habit. So the the first thing that you should do, Gillian, and this this is a very simple one, is you just need to track your spending. You really need to understand exactly what you're spending on. So you need to collate all your bills, all of your uh, okay. credit card statements, everything that you're spending on, and just work out what your where your money's going. What, where's it going? Is it going on eating out? Is it going on the rent? Is it going on school fees? And you need to have an idea of possibly your weekly spend, but also you need an idea of your monthly spend. So one way to do that is to collate every single bill and statement and go through it looking back but you could also just do it for the month of January and it can be as simple as writing it down in a notebook every day I've spent xyz you could be a bit more sophisticated and get a spending tracker app is that simple you see us I have tried this and I'm going to fess up here and I get about one week in and it just gets boring and I forget to do one thing one coffee and then you know that's it that's the end of it then or writing it down yeah I don't I it, it just just completely loses I just lose interest in yes it. no I understand that, that yeah. and that I I'm a little bit like that myself mm-hmm. so the other and we'll come on to the next step after that but this even if you can just do it for a week it okay. just gives you an idea of how that money is going okay. out and then once you kind of know what you're spending on and it could be that you don't log every single uh, purchase you literally just write down the big purchases so you okay. know that X is going to rent, X is going to school fees, X is going to DWA, X is going to debt repayments. And you literally write them all down. And then underneath, you've got like a, I don't know, 4,000 dirhams left, which is going to miscellaneous. Well, well, happy to say I have done this. So we do, we do, we have, we're 
we're already ahead of you. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so once you know where it's kind of going, yeah. then you can start thinking about ways you can trim. Okay. And that still comes up under ten, uh, step one. So for example, the classic one is always the coffee, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a coffee downstairs in yeah. our building costs 15 dirhams. And, that's, and I have that when I come into Abu Dhabi, which is sometimes a few times a week, sometimes once a week. But if you're buying that every day, that's 75 dirhams a week. That's 300 dirhams a month. That's 3,600 dirhams a year. If you're doing two coffees a day, then you're spending 7,200 a year. Wow. So that's a lot. Mm. So you need to think, do I need that coffee every day? Could I not just make it in the kitchen myself? Or, yeah. you know, those are things that you can trim. And it's the classic thing, but that's just, you know, there's also TV subscriptions, all kinds of things like that that you can yeah. trim out. And that all comes from tracking your spending and knowing what's going out. That's step one. So step two you want to draw up a budget. And again, how simple or complicated it is depends on you. So some people have great big spreadsheets. My dad does this, huge spreadsheets that are very complicated. He sat me down one year and I got so confused, I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I, I kind of stick to a very simple one, which is to just, again, write it down. We're going to spend this on this, this on this. And yeah. I, I get my husband's and I write a list out. There's an even simpler way to do it, which is the 50-30-20 rule. Very, very simple way of divvying up your money. Key thing about this is it separates out your wants and your needs. So your needs are shelter, sure. uh, food, sending your kids to school. You've, you need to do that. So 50% of your income goes towards necessities. Then 20% goes towards financial goals. So that includes savings, retirement, all of those emergency okay. fund, but also paying off debt. That kind of comes into that as well, because paying off debt is part of that financial sure. journey. Um, and then the other 30% is allocated to your wants, like so, going out, spa days, eating But just, just to say, so I've, we've decided to do this a bit differently. So okay. you're suggesting that you pay off debt. We, want, we just decided to get rid of ours before we start putting everything into our savings. What would is is that an okay strategy? I you mean, it's too late for that. us anyway because that's well, what we've done. You're always done, yeah, so well exactly. done. <laughs> but I would say if you've if you've got a lot of debt to pay off and you're only paying off debt and you're not setting anything aside at all, I know, I know that you once you've paid off your debt, you want to go gung ho and go sure. saving, saving, saving. Sure. Brilliant. But for those who've got a little bit further to go, I would advise set you know paying off the debt, but at the same time building up some kind of fund, okay. some kind okay. of emergency fund, so that you're you know, you've got a buffer because let's say something goes wrong and you can't make that debt repayment. That's how it all starts spiraling yes. out of control. Yeah. And we can talk about that a bit more okay. later. So the 50-30-20 rule is very, very simple. Mm. And the 20% of savings and paying off debt can be increased. Mm. So you could reduce your 50% of necessities to 40%. Yeah. And you can move around those percentages. Yeah. But it's just a way to kind of help you work out how to allocate your money. So it's very simple. Yeah. Now the next thing, step three. Mm put your savings away at the start of the month. Right. The reason why you do that is because your income comes in, you want to make sure that the money goes straight out to pay all your bills yeah. and also to pay your pay yourself, which is where you're saving. Every time you're saving, you're paying yourself. You're sure. giving yourself a, a salary effectively for your future. So make sure that's automated. Instantly goes straight out of your account sure. into your savings account, investments, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then what happens by doing that all at the start of the month is that you then know exactly what you've got left. So, and, and within that, that money that's going out, you then need to think about where it's going. So you were asking the question about, do I do the emergency mm. fund first? You, you want to break it down with, you, you want to have an emergency fund, which the classic one is three to six months of expenses. You want to have your short... A, a, so that's not three to six months of our salaries. No. That's three to three, six months of, of what? Of our food of your necessities, so your your rent, food, okay. uh, car payments, anything that you abs- comes under those kind of needs, okay. you've got to be able to cover that three to six months. Okay. Um, then you've got short term savings, so that's things like um, you might want to go on holiday in the summer, you might want to buy uh, something for your car. So that's your short sa- term savings pot. You've got your kind of medium sa- t- savings pot. That's things like you know, you school fees for next year, rent for next year. So you're yeah. saving towards that so you're ready. And then you've got long term and that's retirement, wedding sure. for your children, university fees. So they're, they're different pots and you need to kind of break all that down when you're doing your savings. But we'll talk all about that, you know, sure. in future episodes. Yeah. Going back to our five step plan. Step four, invest for your future. So it's all very well doing all lots of saving, but you've got to make sure that part of that is investing that you're looking, as you say, you're doing that, you're thinking about retirement, you're mm. thinking long term, because it's all very well thinking about what I need now, this mm. week, this month. Yeah. You need to think, what do I need in 20 years time? Because sure. we've got to fund those very expensive retirements. Yeah. And again, you want to, when it comes to investing, keep it low cost, make sure fees are low, make sure you're diversifying your assets. So it's not just all going into one you know, investment thing, you, you've got stocks, sure. property, bonds so that if anything crashes you're you're backed up so sure. now step five use credit wisely because the thing about money is that you know we, we all get the calls my husband had three calls yesterday from a bank offering him credit cards three different banks but the thing is that debt is 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 there it's available and uh it's easy to get hold of. So if you're going to use a credit card, use it wisely. Pay it off at the end of every month because annual interest rates on credit cards hover around the 40% mark. So if you're not paying off that balance, you're paying interest of around 40% on that over the course of the year on that outstanding balance. And then it starts to compound and then you just you get into a whole kind of sorry mess. And this is how people then end up taking on another credit card, another credit card, then it's a loan, then it's a consolidation loan. And it all spirals out of control. We don't have any personal loans. Well, apart from our car, that's it. Yeah, but that's secured against your car. So that's exactly, always yeah. a slightly better type of uh, loan And a mortgage to have. back home. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Again, secured against your house. Yeah. There's the whole rules around good debt and bad debt. And then if you've got multiple debts, then you want to consider, you know, look at ways of paying those off. So it could be looking at a loan consolidation to kind of wrap them all into one payment. Or there's lots of different ways of, uh, for example, there's a method called debt stacking where you target the cards with the highest interest rate first and just pay those off so that you're not getting that huge interest rate kind of hit every month. Or there's debt snowballing where you clear the smallest debt first so the card with the smallest debt. So let's say you've got 10 cards and one's only got 3,000 dirham on it. Pay that off first. What, where is the psychological advantage in doing that? Because it, it is the weirdest thing. But when you've got a lot of debts, if you've got 10 debts, it's like, oh, I've got 10 debts. I've got 10 debts. Okay. If you take one away, you've got nine debts. Mm. Take the next one away. You've mm. got eight debts. Okay. And it gradually kind of reduces. And every single debt that goes, it reduces that financial pressure. And when you're stressed, you don't think very rationally. Yeah. So that all of those kind of five steps, which we'll 
go quickly back over again. It's tracking your spending, drawing up a budget, putting your savings aside at the start of the month, investing for the future and using credit wisely are kind of like a financial framework to get you through the year. And then the final one is you've just got to stick at it. So you're talking big now, Gillian. Yeah. <laughs> talking big. Yeah, I've got big plans, big plans. So it's not just January. Yeah. You've got to keep going. Absolutely. I'm not an active spender. I don't actively spend a lot of money just now. But the problem I have is I'm much more excited about spending than I am about saving. So like, how do you become excited about saving? It's the weirdest thing because I used to be a bit like you, particularly in my 20s. I used to be more of, you know, I'd always look for that kind of retail financial hit that <laughs> yeah. you get when you bought a new jumper or something. Saving becomes ad- addictive in a similar okay. way that spending does because as it starts to build up, you see it. And you you get start excited. to feel that kind of sense of, it's kind of like a cloak of security around okay. you. And it gives you that sense of, oh, it's actually, this is going to be okay. I've got, I've got this amount. And that, that means I'm, I'm, okay. I'm kind of supported for X number of months. But it, it be- does become as addictive. And it's, you know, you're doing it now. I did it at 30. I was like, right. Yeah. And similar, to, you know, we have similar uh, situations in a way. You've got two young Kids, children. Yeah. And it was when I had my first child that I I kind of panicked and thought I need to sort yeah. my finances out. And now that we're talking about, you know, having children and that mm. kind of stress of how it makes you think about your finances and, and getting it together, we actually have a question from a reader who's written into The National She lives in Abu Dhabi and she says, my finances are a mess. I'm in debt, I have no savings and I'm pregnant with my first child. I want to get to grips with my finances to ensure my child has a secure future, but I simply don't know where to start. My husband says we are fine and that we don't need to worry, but I fear we are living beyond our means and could end up in serious trouble. Now, this is something that I've heard time and time again, Gillian. I'm sure sure you have done as well. But it's it's that point where... You're already in debt and you know you're, you're spending more than you're earning and you're doing it consistently on a month-to-month basis. I used to do that. And, and you'd get like a sense of, you know, panic inside. Yeah, it doesn't um, make you feel good. It's terrible. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make you feel good. Yeah. And it, it, it creates this kind of psychological stress that just yeah. multiplies as the situation gets worse. Yeah. So, I mean... You know, when you, when you when I get these letters, I always just ask them for more detail. Now, this reader, sometimes they don't come back to us, unfortunately. So this reader didn't come back with any more detail. But when we when we get these letters and, they, and people write into us at the debt panel, um, it's always you then ask for their, the, their expenses. How much are they spending on rent, fees, transport, uh, ed, you know, education, utilities? And quickly you can start to see some kind of big red warning bells and usually they're living in a house that's far too expensive for their income so they need to downsize it could be that they've got two cars when they could survive okay so how much should she how much should your rent be then of your income what percentage uh traditionally it's about 30 percent but going back to that kind of 50 30 20 Mm. rule you can reduce that People need to, when they get themselves into these situations where it's causing stress, there's two things that need to happen. One is she needs to sit down with her husband and have a kind of 
just difficult discussion to say, I'm stressed, I'm worried, how can we resolve this? Because the only way you're going to get out of a situation like this is to do it together. You've got to be on the same page. Couples have to be united to be able to tackle a, a, a financial situation. It's one of the biggest causes of uh, marital breakdown is, is finances. So make sure you're on the same page. Make sure you're sharing and talking and that you both know what's happening with the finances. The next one is to take some drastic action. And we've done stories about before about people who just cut out. Easiest way to get on top of your finances is to cut the big, big expenses. And that can be a massive downsize of a house. It can be moving your children to a cheaper school. It can be getting rid of the car. Just get rid of the car. Take taxis. You don't then have to have the maintenance costs and all the other things that comes with that. Look at the ways that you can take out the big costs. If you can cut those and then you can start tackling those debts and really kind of looking at them and hitting them head on. Because the worst thing you can do with debt is to just hide, put, you know, stick your head under the blanket and not have a look. You've got to face it. Okay, so, so she has debt and she wants to save. So what do you suggest? How much debt how much of the income should go towards the payment of the debt and how much for savings depends on what kind of where the level of debt that they're okay. in if it's a ridiculous amount then they need to have a conversation with the bank and start tackling that in a kind of uh, an organized fashion and so that should be consolidation yes probably yes rather probably, than if they can get access to it but yeah, you, you want a structured way that you can pay down the debt. If it's not out of control yet, and it's a case of there's just a few too many, I would start reducing the amount of debt or the number of products. So if you've got six products, get that down to as minimum as you can as quickly as possible. So that reduces that stress. At the same time, I would start building a little buffer. You know, with buffers, when you're your back's up against the wall. Even if you're putting aside a few hundred dirhams a month, it just starts that psychological process of having that security blanket and having something set aside. She needs to kind of have a two-pronged approach. Yes, she needs to pay down the debt, but she needs to kind of feel reassured that there's some savings going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. So moving on, Julian, I'm going to set you a challenge okay. and we can have a chat again at the end of January. So your challenge is to stick to it. You're talking big, you've got big plans, and uh, you're saying that you're on top of it all. How are you going to stick to that through January? Okay, so so we've divided our our week and weekend. We I, I allocate 1,500 dirhams to our entire expenditure during the week. That's all our food. And we do very little socializing, you know, entertaining during the week. And then... Um, another 1,500 dirhams at the weekend. So now, traditionally, <laughs> I, I have been trying to do this for quite some time, and I and we, we do tend to go over it. You know, the, the first day we spent more than 500 dirhams or 750 dirhams at the weekend, which is scarily easy to do when you have children's clothes to buy and, you know, things at the weekend. So for me, it will be promising to you that I will stick to my budget. Okay. And then, so we'll have a chat at the end of January. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you a little tip here, is if you take, spend a little bit too much at the weekend, okay. take that out of the next week's Right. Money. Okay. Because what I do is at the end of the month, then I just start using the credit card. Yeah. And that's what you don't want to do. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Gillian. My and uh, I'll be speaking to you again in a month. Absolutely. Bye-bye. I now have a call to action for the listeners. I want you to send in your questions, anything that's worrying you financially, anything you want to know, anything you want some kind of guidance to send those in 
to us at The National. And also, if you've got a challenge that you're setting yourself for this year or you've got a big resolution that you want to stick to, send that in and we'll come back to you and find out how you're doing with that. And the place to send that to is pf at thenational.ae. And PF stands for personal finance. So that's pf at thenational.ae. Now that we've discussed how to make your resolutions, it's time to introduce someone who has already made it happen. Zach Holtz is a teacher and a personal finance blogger. He's the man behind The Happiest Teacher, where he documents his journey towards financial independence. Zach is also a columnist for the National's Money section. So, Zach, what are your top tips to help people stick to their resolutions? Well, I think there's two that really help. The first is a bit of gamification. Long-term resolutions can be really hard to stick to life gets in the way. So making a game of it with little bursts of positive reinforcement very frequently for me uh, is a great way that's helped me save a lot of money and work towards my financial goals. So what I do is I set myself a daily spending goal and a daily spending target that's based on how much I want to save. And then I just divide up, you know, add in the bills and things like that, and then take that number and divide it up over the month. So for me, uh, I have a number of 270 durhams during the weekdays or weekends and 150 durhams during the weekdays. And uh, I make it a game for myself and see if I can get under that number. And if I do that enough times, then I know I'm going to not only meet my savings goals, my financial goals, I'll exceed them. Um, so, you know, last year I had set a goal of saving 70,000 durhams and I doubled it. Um, wow. And, I and when did you set that it. goal? So I like to set have that goal because st- I'm a teacher. Um, so I like to have my financial goals start at the beginning of the school year um, because the summer's out of the way and that can lead to a lot of variability in your spending. Um, so I start in uh, September and I have it go till the next September. So I find that making my goals match up with life events makes it a feel a bit more natural. Um, the, the January to January doesn't really have any bearing on the reality of my life. So for you, you're using the academic year mm-hmm. as the kind of peg to, yep. to launch everything. So you still think it makes sense for people to set those goals in January? It can, if that's how your life is organized. You know, I, I don't think it really matters as much when you start your goal, as long as you do start it and you take action. Because, you know, if you don't take any action, your life's not going to change. Okay, so you said the first uh, tip for you was to set yourself these spending limits. Mm-hmm. What was the second one? Yeah, so the, the second is more about the process. Um, it's about arranging your, your, your personal space uh, in a way that's conducive to not having to use willpower. Willpower is a very finite resource. One of the things that allows you to not have to use it so much is by making your space align with your values and align with what your goals are. So for me, a lot of that had to do with actually downsizing my apartment. Uh, that helped a lot because I had less space to fill. I couldn't go out and buy a whole lot of things because I just didn't have the space for it. And so that made me not have to go out shopping, which saved me time and effort. And then when you buy stuff, of course, you have to spend money maintaining it and storing it and cleaning it and all those things. Um, so, you know, by f- changing your physical space up, you know, it also allows you to make those goals easier to get. I also bought, you know, downsized my apartment. So I'm now saving a bunch of my money off of my housing allowance. So that helps me save even more money. Um, it's also closer to my work. So that's another physical arrangement. So I'm driving less. I spent over 6,000 dirhams less this year than I did last year um, because I live closer to school. Wow. So it's all about, for you, it's about cutting those big costs. And, mm-hmm. we, and, we, and we did discuss that earlier in the podcast about how to cut the bigger, the big ticket items yep. effectively. And that for you has worked. Absolutely. So, I mean, 
people make these commitments. How do you, and you've made that commitment at the start of the academic year, mm-hmm. whereas we're talking about making them at the start of the of January. Sure. So how do we make it last the whole year? Yeah, so like I was saying, uh, continuous positive reinforcement of every day. If I get to the end of the day and I'm under my number, it's a nice little hit of dopamine and I'm pretty happy about it. And then at the end of the month, I check and see, you know, what the total for the month was. Um, and so that's an even bigger boost. So if I'm, you know, if I've saved an extra 5,000 dirhams more than I thought I was going to, that's, that's great. Um, that feels wonderful. And, you know, there's that wonderful idea that if you spend money, it's gone and, and you've got this little device or item or a piece of clothing that's just going to depreciate and wear out and get din- dirty and dingy and will eventually end up in a landfill. But if you save that money, that number doesn't go away. It grows in your bank account. You can look at that just like you would look at a new phone or a new pair of sunglasses. Um, And you can always have that around. So there you go. It becomes addictive. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Zach. Sure. That's it for this week's episode of Pocketful of Durhams. I'd like to thank Gillian Duncan and Zach Holtz for being my guest. The podcast was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Hayne. If you've enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more advice about your finances, please subscribe by tapping the subscribe button in your podcasting app. And if you have any personal finance questions or concerns, the email to chat to me on is pf, which stands for personal finance, at the national.ae.